0: welcome to the Raise the Flag podcast. I'm your host, Nick Italiano, here with my co host Tom Nuge and Russ. What's going on, Tom? Oh,
1: everything. I got a lot of shit to catch up on, a lot of knives to make to try to make money, I think. Um, just finished up a batch of primitive wickets. Uh, a couple are still on the website. And I, uh, I got a show this weekend. So if you're local to the Warwick, New York area, you could come see me there on Sunday. I won't be there Saturday. Saturday, I'll be drunk at my buddy's wedding. So don't come visit me there. However, Sunday, if you want to see me, I'll be selling knives and knife stuff in Warwick, New York at the Love Local Maker Market. And uh, just trying to play catch up with a lot of that. I got a show special where like, I do a culinary set each show, and I only have it available there. So that's going to be a 6-inch chef knife and a 4-inch paring knife with Desert iron wood. So, you know, lots of fun stuff is going to be there. And hopefully, you know, I'll do this whole, like, making money thing. That would be
0: cool, too. Hey, that's awesome. And I love Desert Ironwood. Now, are you going to be drunk selling knives or is that just reserved for the wedding? So if you want to see me
1: hungover... Severely hungover and selling knives, come to the beginning part of the show. If you want to see me tired and grumpy selling knives, come in the afternoon because that's probably what the status is going to be.
0: So what you're saying is when you're hungover, you're not grumpy?
1: Well – (laughs) yeah just quieter but quiet is when it's dangerous lauren knows (laughs) when i get very quiet that like the storm is brewing inside she's like oh fuck he's gonna burst it's like when i'm talking you know everything's fine but once things go dark you're like oh fuck but uh no and it's you know the bean and the wedding goes They like stick you in a room with all your buddies and a bunch of bottles of booze and like a cheese plate and they're like okay it's 11 a.m now don't get too drunk until 6 p.m when the wedding really starts you're like wait, what? <laughs> Why would you do this?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I can relate. Um, we were, by the time we got to the actual ceremony of our wedding, we were all quite, um, inebriated and it was a lot of fun, but anyway,
2: Hey Russ, what do you got going on? Um, not much been, uh, working and, uh, not going outside cause it's been rainy and cold and just seasonably, uh, terrible. Um, I've been carrying my EDB a lot. It's pretty much the only knife I've had in my pocket. So inadvertent plug for knives by Nooch.com. But um, this EDB, is, uh, it's light. It's its super sharp. I love the 3V. So it's pretty much the only knife I've been carrying for a while. Uh, that and a Swiss Army knife. But uh, but yeah. And, um, and Tom's going to make me a Kydex sheath for it. More of a standard Kydex sheath, so I can throw an Ulta clip on and throw it on my pack, and you know, do stuff like that. Because the the sheath that comes with the Offensive uh, Industries sheath is really cool, but um, you know, it's it's more for pocket carry. So uh, I want something I can throw a ferro rod on and strap it to my pack, or sure. clip it's it good to have know, options. tight to a belt or my pockets. So.
1: Well, even on the website now, I do have the options. I figured out the whole like drop down tab menu and stuff like that, um, because now I have standard Kydex with them. And there's an option to buy the additional offensive industry sheath. And then you'll get both if you buy the offensive industry sheath because there's no point in me holding on to a custom fit Kydex sheath. You know, so I'll just give you both of them. For, um, so at least you then, the customers have options because you're right. It's like you can't necessarily mount that to a pack super easily if you want to carry it on a strap or something like that. Or if you want to like scout carry it, it's kind of tough for that sheath. So it's nice to have the options.
2: Yeah. For every, I mean, for, for the people that aren't aware of the knife, um, the EDB is the everyday bushcrafter. And, you know, I know uh, some people have said like, it looks a little smaller than I thought, um, you know, or, or the handles a little thinner or whatever, but the idea was, you know, this is a, a full size blade but it's super slim. So you can, you can keep it in your pocket. You don't have to have a dangler sheath. You don't have to have this giant rig. Uh, if you want to throw, you know, an Ulta clip and a ferro and all that, and you can strap stuff to it, you know, Kelso style and get crazy or just keep it in the super slim sheath and it just goes right in your pocket. So for me, this is kind of checking all the boxes for, uh, you know, opening Amazon boxes, starting backyard fires, all the daily. News. I really That's like that it. Do, um, so. I've
0: been carrying mine a lot too. And, uh, it's awesome, and you know what? It's not a small knife, and that's what I think the pr- the pictures are a little deceptive because it looks smaller than it actually is. But it's it's a good full size knife. Like you get a good good full grip on it, and it's got a throw. Is it three and a half inch blade? I think on there three and three quarters. Oh uh, yeah, just
1: a- around three and a quarter, three. So it's not huge. Yeah, but it's got a lot of mass
2: and i've got big big hands and i have it's a four finger grip for me so it's perfect so for anybody with normal size hands it's a it's a full yeah, size well, knife we really like it it's, and, it's and you guys battle. should like it too go go buy one
0: <laughs> at com.
2: all right i'll, I'll <laughs> Yeah, I'll stop fawning over the EDV now.
0: All right, man. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if I have anything fun and exciting going on. And um, I feel like the last couple of weeks have just been an absolute marathon. I'm just like working on uh, modules for the Academy and some articles and some reviews and it's just – it's madness. Um, I don't have any new modules coming out this week. Uh, Next week I am reviewing the Pat Pucco actually that uh, Nuge makes, which is a really cool knife. And then I'm hoping to have another article up on the foraging course next week as well. So the foraging course is really doing uh, quite well. It's really fleshing out to be a really cool little program. So if you guys are interested in foraging and you haven't checked it out yet, or you just want to learn a little bit about it, um, there's some great info on there on some particular plants. Um, a couple PSAs, some gear stuff. So it's really uh, turning out nicely. But that's really all I got going on right now. And then I feel like I'm just chasing my kids all over the place, driving them to a hundred different activities a day and uh, not sleeping. So
2: <laughs> Sounds about right.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not doing the whole chasing around kid thing, but I don't know what this whole sleep thing is. It's uh, It would be nice to get some of that one of these days.
0: But, you know, that's life. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you you went on vacation and you took some time to relax and then you came back like triple stressed out because you had to go on vacations. So, like, well, that's what always happens
1: with fucking vacations. It's like, oh, great for the nice week off. And then you come back and you're like, oh, oh, I have to now catch up for that whole week I just missed. It's like that's why there's so much dread when you're coming back on the last day. You're like, God damn it. But, you know. Lots of other things happen.
2: You should you, you should do what I do, never take a vacation. I mean, I'm used to that, but
1: that's also why I live in an area that people have their vacation homes. It's like, that's a, you try to convince uh, Lauren, you know, she's not listening anyway, so I can say whatever I want. But it's like, people literally come up to where we live all summer long for vacation. It's like, we live in a nice spot. It's like, I could walk across the street and go in the lake and go fishing whenever I want. It's like, this is kind of nice up
2: here. So, so what you're saying is you really have no excuse for being so stressed out and grumpy.
1: No, I have lots of excuses, and that's actually <laughs> <to> I <this>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. We're here to talk about things today, and today we're talking about self-reliance. And I kind of wanted to dispel some myths with self-reliance and get the idea out of your head that self-reliance is only for preppers. It's really for everybody, and there's things that we could all do to – improve our self-reliance skills to help save us money, save us time and, you know, just develop our own skill set. So let's get into it. So guys, either one of you, feel free to jump in here. When you think of self-reliance, like what is, what is the picture that comes to your mind? Buried. The Instagram.
2: Yeah. The Instagram picture. Exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What you do is you take a bunch of 55-gallon drums, you load them up with supplies, you get a backhoe, you dig them up, you put them in the dirt, you get large stores of ammunition. And I'm like, no. I mean, obviously, that's what everybody does, right? I'm, yeah, I'm alone I think with that's, this. that's the
2: impression that people get.
1: Oh, okay. No, it's just being able to take care of your own problems when they come up, to an extent,
2: obviously. Yeah, I think, um, you know, being self-reliant... Gives you the choice on whether you want to do something yourself or not. So that's something like when I think about you know self reliance, and I see a lot of the stoicism stuff out there on Instagram and, and whatnot. It's all about kind of lone wolf stuff. But the truth is, you know, if you develop the skill set yourself, you can make that choice. Am I going to do this on my own because I have the capability? But I may choose to have someone else help me out or have hire someone to do it. But it's the idea that if you needed to. You can rely on yourself to get stuff done
0: absolutely and i, and I think that's an important concept to, to kind of dive into because you know like like tom said like you know th- when people think of self-reliance people are thinking about crazy people preppers and not that preppers are crazy but you know like crazy extreme prepping where it's like all right i need you know 30 years worth of food and i need 55 gallons of water at all times and this and that and the other thing and i think On a whole, self-reliance is really a much more simple concept down to like, you know, can I change my own oil? Can I change my own tires? Can I, you know, do some handiwork around the house? I mean, even for me, like foraging is a big self-reliance activity because it allows me to go out and get my own food. I think hunting would kind of fall into that too. Gardening. Um, And, you know, it does have value, especially now. It's like we look at the state of the economy and the cost of of everything is going through the roof why not save some money on something that you could do yourself or procure yourself?
2: Yeah. I think um, I've never liked the idea of being reliant on someone else to do things Um, maybe to a fault, but my approach with most things up until, and up until very recently is if, if I could do it myself or I could learn to do it myself, I'll just do it myself. And um, you pick up a lot of skills that way. So like I am not an electrician, but I can work with electrical, right? I'm not a plumber, but I do a lot of plumbing. Um, I, But I went out of my way to learn those skills so that if I have a water leak in the middle of the night, I just sweat in a new section of pipe and go back to bed. I, you know, I'm not freaking out. Now, sometimes I still call a plumber because it's a bigger project. I don't have the time or I just don't want to be bothered with it. But at least then I know when the plumber comes in and does the work, I can take a look at it. Does that look like what I would do? You know, the finished product—is there an issue with it? Um, you know, that, that's that's been my approach for a long time. Is if I can do it myself, and it's just find the right skills and have the right tools, I would rather know how to and be capable of doing it myself. It takes a lot of time, yeah. though. Realistically.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's just a matter of learning things. And I know, um, Tom, you had some experiences this week that uh, you know really put that that stuff to, into uh, play it never for you. Fucking ends. Um,
1: but that's the joys <laughs> of homeownership—is that everything goes yep. wrong in the most convenient times, um, like when you wake up in the morning and you're like, "Boy, is it awfully chilly inside this house? What the hell is going on? It is not—I should not need a jacket and a hat right now." And uh, the boiler broke, and uh, but I know we were talking about this. Well, thankfully it wasn't anything too crazy, but I mean, if we called the plumber to do it, it would have been, you know. For two guys to show up to do the work for however long it took them to, quote unquote, do the job, they're expensive. Their labor rates are ri- ridiculously high right now. But, I mean, so is everything else. So I guess it's all proportional. But, like, even the part that I had to buy was 190 bucks. when back in the day, like not not too long ago, they used to be 80 So it's like, you know, I could have had to pay an arm and a leg to do that or I could have just, you know, did it myself like I did. And, you know, another nice part about it too is like we also have a little bit of redundancy, which I believe in, Um, not putting all your eggs into one basket where it's still cold up here. Like it's not like, you know, getting feet of snow, but it was like 40 degrees in the morning and we still have the fireplace, which we haven't been running because it has been that cold. So we just don't feel like dealing with all of it. But, you know, it's like, all right, well, we have no heat coming from the boiler. So we made a fire in the fireplace and the house is plenty warm then. So it's just having that ability to, like, you know, have fallback plans also while something else is going wrong. I think it's kind of in the same realm of self reliance because it's like, I already had those, you have contingency plans already lined up. If something, or not if something, more like when, because, like, things break all the time. That's just life.
2: Yep, absolutely. I mean, you're in the northeast and the power goes out. There are some people that head right to a hotel and that's fine. But what happens when the hotel is full? Because everybody's mm-hmm. heading to the hotel. And so the ability to start a fire or to fire up the generator or even to light some candles, or you have flashlights with batteries in them. So, you know, some of the 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 quote unquote prepper stuff may be to the nth degree, but a lot of it is valid in terms of if you've got some canned goods and you've got some flashlights and you have extra batteries and you have some power banks for your your cell phone if you still have cell service hey you can stay in your house and light a fire and stay warm and stay safe and and not worry about it versus that panicking feeling when you don't have any of those skills and you're not prepared at all and there's certain things that like you know like you
1: were saying before if the job's too big and it's not a rush like you could just, you know, pay somebody to do it. You know what I mean? There's certain things like with, you know, some auto mechanic work, like I had the trans line break on my truck and I talked to a couple people about it where I'm like, in the grand scheme of things, it really wasn't that much you had to do. However, they did say it comes as one solid piece. And for a car like that, you want to lift to actually do it. So I'm like, you know what? They're like, yeah, if you want to do this yourself, it's going to kick your ass or, you just pay the man. Just pay the mechanic and they'll have it done in an hour and you get your truck pack. It's like certain right. things are just worth paying people for, but there wasn't like an immediate thing like my house not having heat or water. You know what I mean? Right.
2: But but what's nice is let's say you 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 wanted to have someone do it and they said, I can't fit you in for three weeks. You could do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and it's it, I think that's the self-reliance part for me is knowing I could do it. So I, I told Nick this the other day for the first time. Ever, I took a car to the dealer to get work done. I've always done everything, <laughs> and unless it was a warranty thing where they're going to replace, you know, so like transmission for free, whatever. But like oil changes, brakes, changing the diff fluid, transfer case fluid, I've always done all that stuff. But I just didn't have time. And, but I felt a little better taking my, my, uh, my soccer mom pilot to, uh, to Honda and, and dropping it off. I knew exactly what I would pay for the parts and I knew exactly how long it would take me to do it. And I said, I just don't have the time right now, so I'm okay with them doing it. But at least I knew if I had to, I could do it myself. So there, there is that, that balance of you don't always have to use the skills, but knowing that you could if, if you had to, it's, it's a good feeling.
0: Well, the flexibility is important, and it's like something that you know I always say to business owners, right, is that your time is worth money. And having the skill allows you to decide what's the best – What's the best use of your money? Is it your time or is it your actual physical cash to pay somebody else? Because, you know, in the case of like Tom, like he's making knives, right? Like it might be in his best interest to be able to stay in his shop and work on knives as opposed to spending six hours outside working on his car. So we'll just drop it off. You know,
2: it's – And there's also the the time you recover, right? So it might take Tom six hours but someone who has the muscle memory because they do it three times a week, maybe it takes them three hours and he has his – his vehicle back that much sooner. So there's that calculation as well.
0: Yeah. I think I just, like I said, I think the option is the, is the important thing to talk about here, you know, and I think that, you know, a lot of people who get involved in the whole learning self-reliance thing, like have it in their head that they have to do everything themselves and they don't, you know, it's, it's what makes sense for the situation.
1: And it's same with the conversation of being like a quote-unquote like self-made man. And it's like I don't think there's really any self-made man out there. Like you always had help from somebody. You had some kind of guidance whether you looked it up. It's not like you are the one who figured out how to change the brakes. I'm sure you looked in a manual or online. So like are you really self-made if you had to look up somebody else telling you what to do? It's like, yeah, you may not have had the exact like apprenticeship role, but you still learn from somebody else and from their mistakes and from them learning. You know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. I think um, you can't pick up any skills quickly on your own. You can pick up skills on your own. You're learning through, you know, trial and error. But for the most part, it's like the myth of someone that's, you know, completely self-reliant and off-grid. Are they really? When they do go into town to get their supplies, once every whatever, they're going to a store, they're going on a road that's maintained by the state. You know, they're, they're, maybe there are some folks out there that are completely off-grid and whatnot. But when you read about prepping stuff, like who's making that 55-gallon drum you're storing your water in? You know, yeah. who's producing those electronics and the batteries and the solar panels and all that? Like, you are you know, if the shit really hits the fan, people love to talk about when the shit hits the fan, I'm going to have, you know, my, my buckets of uh, – MREs or freeze eyed food or whatever. Okay, but when that runs out, what are you going to do? Because you're relying on the websites that you're plugging on your YouTube channel <laughs> to go get all your prepping stuff for your prepping lifestyle. You're still waiting for Amazon to show up with your two day delivery of your of your uh, your batteries or your your whatever your protein bars to, to stuff in your shelter. So it's a little bit of a myth.
0: Yeah, I think that, and that's you know, I love that that you brought that up because that's the truth. You know, we. I think we see like, you know, we've watched shows. We all see it like shows like Alone, right? Where it's like, you know, this idea of surviving on your own. And we have this very Hollywood concept of, you know, this lone wolf survivalist that lives in the woods by themselves. And that is completely unrealistic. I mean, at the end of the day, like humans are social creatures and we rely on community, you know? So yes, it's good to be able to do stuff on your own, but I think it is, it's a fallacy and a dangerous one to really have this idea in your head that I'm gonna go at it all by myself, all alone. I don't need anybody. I, I could do everything myself because you can't. And you know we've seen it time and time again where like, people become you know disconnected from, from civilization for periods of time because they get lost or they're stranded or somewhere or something like that. It doesn't take very long before you start to go crazy because you don't have any contact with any other people.
2: Have you ever seen the news story that ends with, and we found him happily living in the woods, sitting in a bushcrafted chair, warming his feet by the fire? You know, no, <laughs> right? And, and and alone proves the point. So what's the longest somebody's gone on alone? Right. So if someone can go out there and they and they they win this show, which is an amazing feat. 100 days, let's say. So, I'm going to go out there for 100 days. And at the end of it, why did I win? Because the other contestant, second place, got pulled for medical reasons because they were starving, or- organs are shutting down, vitamin deficiency. No one's thriving out there, right? No, n- absolutely no one's thriving out there. So, you take that, you know, these people are, um, you know, arguably the best of the best and they're lasting for 50, 60, 100 days. You need other people. So the, the ultimate self-reliance just really doesn't exist. Imagine if all the contestants on alone got together and built a camp together. We'd probably never see them again. They'd be happy and starting their own little tribe out there. Yeah, they,
0: yeah and that's that's really what it comes down to is that – and if you look at like the reasons why most people tap, especially in like the earlier portions, it's not for health. It's not for lack of food. It's strictly
2: mental. Yeah, they you know, miss their, they they miss miss their family. family. They miss their kids. Yeah, they miss their, their dog, family. whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: But a lot of these things still are very important to handle though, like is I know we we're busting the balls but the guys having the MRE shipped to their house. But like it's sure nice to have it when you can't leave the mountain you're on because the roads are all shut down. Or like you look at like Ohio where nobody could have predicted a goddamn train blowing up and then them lighting all the stuff on fire and ruining their water supply. I bet you people would have loved to have cases of water in their basement at that point. You know what I mean? So it's like I think oh, absolutely. it's Not to look at this as I'm going to survive until the end of time with what I have, but more of like, I'm going to get by until I figure out the next step and not be stressed out about it. I think that's like the healthy medium to really stay in with everything.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's the good self-reliant is I can get through these inconveniences or even these, you know, short-term disasters until I can what? Link up with other people. Get, get my electricity back, get my water back, you know, et cetera. Get the fuck out of Dodge. Even if that's the case, exactly.
1: like having yeah. like, that's the thing is like, you know, a lot of people also try to think that like they, they're just going to hunker down at their house and that's going to be what happens. But if like, if we had something like that happen here, I was thinking about it because like I was, when that happened in Ohio, like it got me thinking about the war supply cause I have my own well, we're all around springs and everything like that. So I was never really super worried about like contaminated war supplies Until I saw something like that, I was like, oh shit, it is, I am technically off grid, but that's something that's beyond my control as well. So like, you could be completely off grid and then still get screwed. And, you know, it's whether that made me rethink how my plans are. And also it's not something that you're necessarily just going to hunker down in the basement and ride out because stuff like that's in the air. Like (laughs) that's one of those things that get out and have things ready to go if that's the scenario. But it's not to like get well, in the bunker yeah. and close the steel doors and hunker down forever until it's all better. It's like, no, sometimes the best plan is to move and get the hell out of this. Yeah,
2: I, I, I think that's the, unfortunately, that's the YouTube uh, prepper kind of image, right? Is I've got yeah. my land and I've got my bunker and I'm just going to hunker down, but
1: that's well, not always. <laughs> everybody online yeah. thinks they're like the guy, like the role Nick Offerman played in The Last of Us, where like. He's in his basement. He's got the cameras everywhere. He's all set up and all these other things. And he's like, not today, new world order. And it's like, no, it doesn't always work out that way. And, you know, even like we had a we had a wildfire in our town a couple of weeks ago. And it's like one of those things, like we don't normally have them that badly in Jersey, but half of our freaking town was on fire. And it's like, that was one thing that I'm like, oh shit, that's, we need to be ready to pack up important documents and get up and go, it's not just hunker down and stay. Also, part of the preparedness is to get up and go and to know the stay or go kind of mindset, but have both of that ready. But that's not taking it to the extreme. That's just being fucking smart about things because these things do happen. And there's n- it's not like they had on the calendar like, oh, well, actually on this day in April, we're going to schedule in a wildfire in West Milford. It's like, no, nobody knows it's going to happen. So you just got to be ready to
0: do it. Yeah, exactly, and that's and that's why self reliance is important. And you know, we see it time and time again. Most people are dreadfully underprepared, you know, and it you don't really have to do all that much. And like to your point that you brought up before about water, even if you're on grid, water can be an issue. You know, I was just reading reports that like in Connecticut where I live and where Ross lives, like our water is filled with toxic chemicals that they don't have the ability to filter out municipally at this juncture in time. Great. So you know, now I have, I have filtration at home that will filter that stuff out, but, you know, but that was me being prepared for that eventuality because, you know, at the end of the day, like you don't know. And and here's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, everyone's like, oh, it's a conspiracy. The government did blah, 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 blah. But, you know, at the end of the day, the government didn't know these chemicals were there because we didn't have the ability to test for these chemicals until very recently. So it's like, yeah, you can't really be prepared for everything because there's a limit to technology and the dissemination of information. But if you're prepared for basic things like making sure you have clean drinking water, making sure that you can move out of your house in a, you know, a, an easy fashion, you know, it's just it's just what it is. And and being able to do repairs that might happen as a result of various, you know, un planned events you know nature is going to do what nature is going to do and like you said you can't determine when there's going to be a wildfire when we're going to have a torrential rain that's going to flood and do all kinds of crazy stuff you know we had um i live in like a development so there's a bunch of houses in in this community and we had a retaining wall collapse onto somebody's house and it was a big retaining wall and the only reason this person did not die is because their headboard Blocked the you know hundred gallon propane ta- tank from crushing them in their sleep. God damn. So yeah, which was, was a crazy situation. Now obviously you can't really be prepared for that, right? Sure, but you can. The result of that's why
2: I only sleep under uh, doorways.
0: Yeah, wow. <laughs> boy,
1: well, I got one up the, you. That's why I never <laughs> sleep.
2: <laughs> there you <Suckers>. go, Sleep
1: is for
0: suckers. But you know, ultimately, <laughs> that's how they sneak up on you. The result of this, yeah. The result of this, this. Uh, collapsed retaining wall though was 10 homes were deemed unlivable until they had it repaired which took them well over a year so it's like now people are scrambling they have nowhere to go they're not prepared they can't pack like you know they had to wait for for fire marshals and building department people to come into their home with them so they can get the stuff that they needed to go relocate to a hotel temporarily or whatever it was until you know arrangements were made but it's like you know there's a value in in having that level of preparedness and self-reliance of saying, okay, I have a bag that if something goes down, I'm gonna grab that bag. It's got everything I need, at least for a couple days, and go, you know? Well also
1: things of importance. Like when I had when we had the wildfire it had me thinking like I needed to get my important documents, like birth certificates, so stuff that you can replace, but it's a pain in the ass. And other important things that you'd want in like a firebox safe where it's not like I didn't want a gigantic one, but I wanted one that I could literally pick up my arm and throw in the back of the car and not be worried about it. And the same thing where it's like if you have some things that you need that you think are important, you know, it might be nice to have a mobile in case something like
0: that does happen. Ross, from a technology standpoint, right? Like is it it viable to keep a lot of these documents on electronic Mm -hmm. format?
2: So, so like anything, I think it's redundancy, right? So, you know, if you can scan stuff in and have it available in the cloud, if there's a localized issue, you know, like say you throw it up in your your uh, you know your Google, uh, whatever, throw it in your Gmail account. It doesn't have to be anywhere special, Google Drive, whatever. But it's up there. You know, you relocate to somewhere else in the in the country in the world, you're going to be able to get to that, right? Um, and and have your a scan of your passport or of this or of that. But also, you do have to think about, you know, you think about like the power outage we had. Um, God, when was that? Back in like 2001 or something like that. Uh, that uh, rolling, we lost the
0: entire grid on the East
2: Coast. Yeah, you know, I was working in Stanford at the time, and um, you know, we we heard it just roll through and just everything shut down, and then we heard gunfire, and it was like, okay, you know. I felt slightly prepared for that, Um, you know, but that had me thinking about stuff as well, because, you know, literally nothing was accessible. Um, And that was the entire East Coast. So sure, you could relocate, you know, to the to the the West Coast or I I don't know what you would do, but it's it's not it wasn't it was going to be a quick trip to be able to get to anything, you know, from a technology standpoint. So so working in technology, my approach is don't rely on technology you know, um, outages can happen. And if things really goes, go south with like power or something like that, you know, do you just, I would say you don't want to rely on that. It is great though, for day to day, if you have a little, you know, your house floods, you got to get out of your house to have that stuff that, that Tom mentioned, you know, whether it's in a, you know, a physical, you know, they make those little fire bags. I have one of those it's fire rated, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's kind of like a little briefcase thing, but also just have it scanned in, have it online. Um, it's never a bad idea. Do you have, like, paper goods
1: and stuff like that? Because I was thinking about it yesterday when I was fixing the boiler. I'm like, thank God I got the internet to make sure I'm doing this thing right. Because I'm not a plumber by trade. But then it had me thinking, I'm like, because I know Nick said this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm like, well, what if I didn't have that? Like, I have a couple maps and atlases of the local area, but, like, I don't have all 50 states. But, like, I was even thinking, I'm like, well, what if you do need to get out of Dodge and, like, you know, something like powers out, cell phone towers aren't working, you're like can't just google the directions to go to florida
2: yeah yeah, we're very reliant on gps and and cell signals and the internet and whether it's to your point you might have the skills in general i can fix anything as long as i have the right procedure but if you don't have the procedure you don't have the procedure so it's uh yeah there's certain things that like you
1: know that's why it's nice having other people because
2: like my neighbor used
1: to be a plumber back in the day i'm like this is all i have to do right he's like and make sure you flush the system like aha that is, you know, but like, if I didn't have the online to be able to figure out or him to call upon, it's like, I don't know if I would have done it right or if I would have done more damage. Which is also why I don't fuck around with electrical and I just pay my electrician to do it, because I've seen too many house fires that were caused by electrical problems. And I'm like, nope, I would rather have everything being done up to spec without me YouTube mechanicking this. But the, it's the, like the community have, connection.
2: Though? Well, that's the thing, that community connection is super important, especially if you want to be, you know, again, I'm going to be a self-reliant person. I'm not going to depend on anyone else, except if you do maintain some of those connections, like I have a great neighbor, um, who, you know, he's, he's, you know, older than me and, basically he lives in the world of like the 50s and the 60s, right? So he's got all this new old stock plumbing stuff. And so, you know, if I ever need anything, like I have a plumbing disaster, I don't have to go to Home Depot. I just go, Hey, George. And he's like, Oh yeah, I got three of those. Let me go down in the basement. You know, he gave me a beautiful made in USA stainless clamp the other day when I had an issue with my, my, my sump pump, you know? So those, those connections are also super important, whether it's knowledge or, or even supplies or tools. Um, But at the end of the day. I fixed it myself. I didn't call a plumber, but I did rely on other people. It's 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 a mix, but it's also it's you know some of its right, some of its skills, some of its goods, right? So like we've talked before about you could have the med kit, but if you don't know how to use it, same thing. You could have all the ammo and all the guns and all the MREs, and but if you don't know how to,
1: well, it's also mindset too of looking at the problem and not being like oh I'm fucked, but oh how do I fix this? you know like, I, yeah. I, you hit it on the head that's the most
2: important thing you can do is
1: how how are we going to address this and move forward or like knowing that something's off and that's something you know you go to look into like it's like i yesterday i'm like that is a weird noise i'm hearing that is not normal and it's cold it's like that something is wrong and the first thing is to not ignore it say oh whatever hope that works itself out it's like no you go find out what it is and you go diagnose it and you know, figure out, is this in your wheelhouse or not? Is this something I can yep. handle or So not? that building of muscle
2: memory, there. yeah, that building of muscle memory is super important. So that you, you've gone, been through enough situations that when you encounter an unfamiliar one, it's not the... Oh shit! The lights went out. We have to go find a hotel. Oh, there's no hotels. I guess we're just gonna die. Like you, you go, oh, you parse it. Like okay, so this is working. And this isn't. What can we do? Hey, we can light a fire. How many people have left their house during a power outage with a perfectly good fireplace in that house that they've never used, or or maybe it's there and they just don't have any firewood, or they don't have any dry firewood, or they don't even have a lighter to light the the balled up newspaper that they don't have to start the fire. So it's it's also just that. Again, that that built up muscle memory over time of to your point, not ignoring something when it's off, and then just calmly assessing it and saying, okay, how do we get past this? What can we do? Well, they call that
1: the uh, the OODA loop: the uh, observe, orient, uh, decide, and act. And that's like you have to stay right in that loop, and you can't. Some people get lost in that train, and that's why they get caught spinning around because they don't know how to assess and slow down and figure out what's actually going on.
2: Yeah, most people are ready, fire, aim. Yeah. Or just like, which never works out well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's not how it works. And you know what? I mean, just, just based on this, you guys bring up so many good points that I want to touch on. And the first is like, and we talk about this in the outdoors, right? Complacency. Complacency is, is a bad thing. And if you are so complacent that, you know, you rely so much on your technology and so much on the creature comforts that we have due to our modern living, it's, that's a recipe for disaster during a disaster, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrasing, but you know, it's like you said, like people don't have, they have a fireplace in their house. It's like, but they don't have anything to actually make that fireplace go. They have no wood. They have no, they have no light. It hasn't been cleaned in a decade. You know, that's, that's no good. So complacency is definitely a bad thing. And, While we don't want to be complacent, we also don't want to go into this runaway self-reliance that I see a lot of people, especially who are like new to the self-reliance game go down where it's like they try to be prepared for every single thing that they can possibly be prepared for because just like no one can be an expert at everything, it is impossible to be prepared for every possible scenario. And like we do when we go out into the woods and we have like a situation where it's like, Oh man, I really wish I had this with me. You know, we learn as we go. So it's like, we have to experience things to kind of, to have our priorities. But, and I'll finally just wrap this part with uh, going back to the community. You know, we talk about going back to the old ways and you hear that a lot with bushcrafters, right? Like, Oh, we're going back to primitive ways or going back to the old ways of doing things. Well, The old ways of doing things were you had a community of people and each one of those people had a skill and they bartered those skills and those trades for other skills and trades. So, you know, going back to the the earliest tribal times that we can think of, nobody was good at everything. Everybody relied on someone else in their tribe, in their town, in their village, whatever it was to get. The, the job done and to make life work for everybody involved.
2: And also the life for, expectancy back then was like 27 years. So, well,
0: so well, I really not everything I was great too, about the good old days. <laughs> I'm pretty
1: sure the native Americans would have loved to have a fucking bick lying around, you know, oh, absolutely. Like, uh, I, I don't think they would poo that um, no. because it's, you know, but they, it's the same token. Like they were dealing with what they had at the times. But, you know, I don't know, sometimes they go too far on that kind of thing as it is, like you were saying, it's all community-based and they're getting by with what they had. I'm sure if they had more modern conveniences, they would absolutely use them.
2: I do I do think, though, the focus on um, non-technological skills is important because as we go forward, right, technology is more and more ingrained in everything. So think about, let's say you're in a situation where you had to um, – you had to get it, get out of town in a vehicle. Okay. So if it's 1970 and there's an issue with your truck, you pull it over and and with a couple of small hand tools, you can do a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, my 2018 pilot breaks down and I don't have the diagnostic computer at Honda to (laughs) reboot the whatever I'm SOL and there's not much I can do, you know, without some very specialized tools. So, you know, that mindset, like you could, keep an old truck around, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, focusing your time and attention on skills that can be there when the power goes out, I think are – to me, those are the critical skills. And some of that might just be mindset, you know, um, adaptability, things like that. But trying to prepare too much for things that involve technology to me is uh, a dead-end street.
1: Well, I want to – rec- agree. I want to go back to the whole like, do you have like manuals on certain things? Because like, I don't know, like if it does go out and you have to figure things out and you're out of power for a while, it would be sure to nice to have some paperback on some of these things, even if they are survival or trapping skills and stuff like that. But like, what would be some like resources for like that? Because recently I've been reading uh, the original Boy Scout handbook, like from like 1896 or whatever it is. And that thing is just cool because it just has like... Very actual useful skills unlike the current Boy Scout handbook has nowadays where it does more be in touch with your feelings and everything versus like actually showing you how not to die. Um, You haven't read the
2: newer one, right?
1: No, I haven't read the newer one since – no, it was 2018 was the last time I had my hands on a newer Boy Scout manual. So no, I have not and I don't think I want to. But it is nice to have like slight references for things, you know? Especially like I was saying with the boiler, if I didn't have my cell phone to call my neighbor or look it up online, I wouldn't be – and I know they do have like basic guides for like electrical, plumbing and stuff like that where you could look into it. But the same thing with like bushcrafting or like outdoors. Do they have stuff like that?
2: Absolutely. So one of the things I keep in in one of my – the bags I keep in my car, right, which has like water filtration. It's kind of the – I won't call it a bug out bag because it's – One of the 80 bags – <laughs> yeah, one of my 80 bags, but you know one of the things I keep in there and I'm I'm not going to tell you the exact title of the book, but it's one of those like it's like a survival manual. And um I you know I I asked some people and uh you know Nick and I were talking about this in terms of um uh on the medical side as well. Like cuz there's there's a couple books out there that are basically like not your tiny little first aid manual, but more of a comprehensive big book of like if you had to do stuff yourself, whatever. And I think having one of those for shelter, fire, food, water, uh, isn't a bad idea at all. I don't trap. That's not part of my daily life. But if I've got a book that says, Hey, if you've got some wire in a Leatherman, here's something you could do to maybe get a, a meal. Okay. It's in my bag, you know? Um, and, and, in terms of like manuals and all that stuff, everything I buy for the house, I keep that manual. And it's funny so I had an issue with the blower in my furnace recently and I went the Google route and I could not find the information I needed. and then I went downstairs and I had my manual in a little pocket like stuck to the side of the boiler I opened it up and there on page two is exactly what I needed. So you know keeping those manuals and, and knowing how to use and maybe maintain at least the systems you have is pretty important. That is one thing that happens so often where people just throw them out
1: right away. And it's like, I just bought a new boat motor for the tin boat. And uh, I asked him, like, hey, man, you still got the manual so I could service this thing and everything. He's like, no, I threw it out. I'm like, why the fuck did you throw it out? Like, and it's something as simple as, like, how, where do, how do I gap these spark plugs? What are the specs for that? And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, they would be in the fucking manual. Like, which is why, but like, people I are, wanted people are it.
2: Used to being able to Google it, so. Then, uh, but yeah. like,
1: I tried googling it, and but then, are you getting the right information? Is the other thing because, like, especially I started in going the age around. of AI,
2: all, all these random articles written by people that are trying to make money with a blog, and they use the same AI that just throws a bunch of information together and says like this is how you to re-. you know you need to reset your uh, your Wi-Fi router and you get the wrong information from the 17 different sites because they're just copying and pasting between each other the information online in my opinion has gone way downhill so you can't rely on it no and that's yeah, like and it's, that's
0: yeah. That's the truth, though, because, you know, and it's like this is something that I that I learned when I was in college. Right. And that was like if you're if you're doing research, like there are credible websites and there are not credible websites. And, you know, everybody relies on Wikipedia to be like, oh, that's the website that I get my information from. Like if you used Wikipedia as a source in any kind of college writing, you're going to fail that paper because it's not I'm not saying that everything on there is wrong because it's not. But it's just not considered a credible, verified source of information. And, um, so I don't, I don't necessarily trust the internet when it comes to a lot of information Now, on the same token, I write a lot of articles, you know, for people to read, um, and learn something. But, you know, like we always say, like, this is based on my experience. This is based on my opinion and you might, your experience might be different with it, but going back to what you were saying about manuals and stuff. Yeah, I think it's important to keep them. And for outdoor stuff, because I'm not like, you know, Captain Bushcraft over here, I do keep a couple Bushcraft manuals because to Ross's point, like I'm not trapping on a daily basis, but I would like to know how to make it in a pinch. I keep some first aid stuff because I think that's important, even though like I try to keep up to date on my first aid training and develop those skills more. It's still good to have a manual to be able to say, okay, in an emergency situation, how do I take care of this particular injury? Um, atlases. I keep atlases, and I know people. I don't even know how to read a road map, but I keep I keep them in the car because not not that I have to use them often, but you know, there's plenty of times that like we've been driving through like the sticks in upstate New York that there's no GPS, there's no internet, there's no nothing, and you have to rely on a actual map, and you have to learn to read route numbers and stuff like that or route numbers, however you want to say it, um, and to get where you need to go. So that stuff's really important. Now, unlike you guys, I'm not a homeowner. So I don't have a lot of stuff around here that I have to rely on maintaining and stuff like that. And that's, that's a failing of my own skill set, And I recognize that all the time. Like I am not the most mechanically handy person that ever was, but I've also never been thrown into the situation where I had to be. So
1: these are just the side effects of being poor, Nick. It's not because I want to. I would love yeah, to just well, pay a guy, to yeah. go down to the basement, and just <laughs> hey, hey, sir, fix that problem. Thank you. But no, it's just poor. <laughs> yeah. So poor people figure out the goddamn ways to fix it, Nick. But uh, well, no, uh, I'm, I'm
0: so poor that I don't own a house. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are levels to this.
1: But I mean, yeah. that's even how I learned how to. It's you know, it's funny because, but that's how I learned to work on cars, just because I drove around shit boxes for a very long time. And, you know, to keep the shitbox running, it's lots of trips to AutoZone and buying the tools yourself. Because if you paid the mechanic to do all those repairs, you'd be paying more than the car is worth.
2: But you start with the mindset. So you had the mindset and then you did that and you acquired the skills. So for anybody listening that wants to become more self reliant, start with that mindset. You can do any job with tools if you have the right tools, right? almost any job. So, like, Tom, you know this, you work on cars, right? Try to replace the brakes in a car that the rear caliper is that you've got to reverse out the uh, the piston, right? Uh, if you don't have the right tools. Now, if you go buy the right uh, tools for that, you put this little thing in, you tighten it up, you twist it, and sure. you re- you reverse the piston and, and, and all is good. So, You know, so much, and that's it's not just cars, it's your house, it's anything. If you don't have the right screwdriver, if you don't have the right whatever, you know, work on a car and don't have a torque wrench, you know, can you get by? Sure, but some things are gonna be much more difficult. So, having the right tool set is important, but again, it starts with that mindset. If you wanna be more self reliant, start thinking like, okay, this isn't insurmountable. What, what research can I do? What tools might I need and what skills do I need and who can I talk to, to maybe get those skills so I can do this on my own, as opposed to just, you know, being either instantly overwhelmed or just like, no, that's too much. I can't do it because there is a benefit. Even if you can afford to pay someone to do the brakes on your car, that's like one of those things where you learn a lot and you pick up a lot of skills that are then transferable to the, the rest of your car house, whatever. Um, sometimes it's worth it to slow down a little bit, and if you have the the weekend, do the research, get some of the tools, and spend the time. And you know, you find yourself on your way to like, okay, I don't have to pay someone to do this. I can if I want to, but I have the skills now. Yeah, but it yeah. starts with the mindset.
0: Yeah, and that is you know, and that's something that we talk about in the academy a lot, right? Mindset, skill set, skill set, and gear set, and that's basically what all it is, and that's. So I guess to, to kind of come back to a point that I wanted to make throughout this, and I know we're 40 minutes into it though, but being self-reliant in our lives follows the same principle as being self-reliant while we're in the wilderness, right? Like it's just, it's just a different environment, but it's the same, it's the same concept. And, um, that's why I think that not, not everybody who's into the outdoors, but a lot of people who are into the outdoors are also into that self-reliant living lifestyle. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a transference of the whole mindset to a different situation, but it, it plays the same role.
2: Absolutely. Take, take anything that you're going to do out in the woods, whether you're going to fell a tree and we, we know, right. There's a right way and a wrong way to fell a tree and the right way is safe. And the wrong way you get thrown up into the, <laughs> the branches and they find your body a week later um, or you, or you, you cut your leg off or whatever. Right. And, and, yeah. but, but, but if you're there with someone that knows how to do that, and you have the right tool, right? So you have a good ax and you have someone that says, okay, stand here, cut your, make your first cut here, et cetera. All of a sudden, it not that it becomes easy, but it becomes very doable and repeatable. And the same thing with starting a fire, building a shelter, um, it, you know, picking up the, the having the mindset, picking up the the right tools, and then, you know, just learning the approach. Any of it becomes very doable and and Again, I don't want to say easy because there's effort involved, but it's not this, you know, opaque, impossible thing. Like, how can I do that? Any of us can do anything. Do you have the interest? Do you have the time? And, you know, do you have the right tools and and, and the right skills to do that? That's being self-reliant. Yeah.
0: And, you know, another aspect of self-reliance that, and I think we, we talked about it a lot in last week's episode, is, uh, you know, business ownership. You know, it's when you own your own business, that is a form of self-reliance that is, that is huge because you're not relying on somebody else to generate your income. You're relying on yourself and your own skills and your own time and your own resources, you know? So I know obviously Tom makes knives and, uh, that's but it. That, that's right? all. That's
1: it's all there is to talking. making business to making money. You just make knives and then make money. Is that fucking Just, just to make thing. knives, right? Don't, don't be ridiculous. But, but that's all that you have to not,
0: do. You know, but it, it's also not like a, a true um, self reliance, like outside of community. Because at the end of the day, you need someone to buy those knives to make the money. So I don't know. I guess I guess just you know the point of the whole this whole podcast. Like I know we talked about a lot of different things, but the point that I really wanted to drive home with this is that. The balance of self-reliance and the balance of community is really important. And you can't do it on your own. It's just it's just impossible. And I'm not saying that there haven't been people who have done it. I'm sure there's people out there that live by themselves in the woods and whatever it is. But I would also argue with that the, the thing that makes the people be able to do that is that they are very mentally ill.
2: <laughs> so so, well, so here's another thing. You, if you ever you can meet do somebody
1: that, that just – belongs out somewhere alone by themselves and just not by people. I've met lots of people like that. I'm like, yeah, that's why you go out there by yourself all the time because you're not supposed to be around other people.
2: Yeah, pretty much everybody that works in IT is like that. It shouldn't be allowed around human beings. Um, <laughs> no,
1: uh, let, let me introduce but, you to another fellow human. Yeah. We use manners and speak Just nicely. give me my Mountain Dew
2: and pull me back in the basement. So <laughs> Let me look at zeros and ones internet cords. So, uh, so, Nick, the other thing I'd say is if you have those capabilities, teach them to other people. So, yes. so if you've reached that level of self-reliance and, and the great thing is like the community we're a part of, you know, um, there are so many people that have these skills and they're super accessible and happy to share them with other people. But that's another super important part. So you can be as self-reliant as you want, but consider what you can do to help other people down that path and share those skills and, and teach people all the things that you know how to do. Don't hoard yeah. the knowledge.
1: Well, somebody taught you back in the day. So it's just paying it forward kind
0: of deal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think we all, you know, we're always like everything else. We're perpetual students and we're always learning more. And in fact, like I, to to prepare for this podcast, I took a course in self-reliance that um, my buddy Anthony over at Lost Raven Chronicles has up and it's uh, free. So you guys should check that out. But it's, you know, it's cool because for me it was, it was, you know, it's a very basic course. So it was, it was kind of redundant and I know a lot of stuff, but it was also, a really cool way for me to see like the areas that I know that I need to work on and to, and to bring those to the forefront. So it's definitely a valuable course. I would highly recommend that you guys check it out, both of you and anybody who's listening, cause it's free. And, um, you know, if you really sit down and do it, like you'll, you'll be done in an hour and a half or so. It's just, it, it was cool. So yeah, check it out. And that's what where i think about that. But where do you go? Um, I don't know. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to where, kind of talk about? Fuck is, fuck one
1: more time. Where are we damn it. You <laughs> fucking gabagool, Jesus! Oh my the goodness. thing you were just talking about. You took you literally took the what course. you were just saying. <laughs> Take it. Oh,
2: where we sa- go? I said it. Let's well, well, yeah, say I, it I, again. Tom is asking you uh, to repeat you, it. This is the part of the podcast where it all falls apart. Always the end. Listen, I gotta go with these for later, guys. <laughs>
1: no, like you're going to tell me I don't know how to plug stuff on a podcast. So I say Nice News.com on like eighty times on a
0: podcast. Plug Anthony's stuff again and you, so people can go to it. This is the first time you said Nice by News. So, anyway, Anthony's stuff yeah. is at www.lostravenchronicles.com. Oh and you God. will also be able to find this information very easily accessible in the description. But if you don't like to read and you just want to listen to us talk and, and stuff, then that's where you go, www.LostRavingChronicles.com.
2: Nick just wanted to, everybody to be self-reliant and go Google that shit themselves.
0: Well,
1: I asked you to repeat it. Didn't I didn't ask to repeat it with extra fucking sass, Nick. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I all just that, also,
0: <laughs> while you're at it, go buy a knife, Knives com. knife. Or don't. I heard that guy's a dick. Or make
1: your own knife. <laughs> Yeah, you will be self reliant and make, your, your, own make your own knives. <laughs> I figured yeah, I out how know. to do it. You probably can. Oh,
2: All right, anyway. look, I got to log in, get some work done. I'm going to order some food online. I'll talk to you guys later.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm going to go get my emissions done and, and pay the man, <laughs>
1: <laughs> pay the government man. Have a great one, car. guys.
0: Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, once again, you know, be sure to head to the uh, the description to see all of our links to various websites and our Instagram pages if you want to follow along. Our absolute nonsense, um, yeah. So next week uh, we have some guests coming on. Next week we're going to have Blackbeard Fire coming on, and we're going to be talking about fire, which is pretty cool. And then uh, we'll have another guest later on the month. And that's going to be Heather from PNW Bushcraft. So. That's what we got lined up for now. Um, Looking forward to doing some more of this stuff because I know you guys like to listen to us ramble or you don't and you just humor us. I don't know. But whatever it is, thanks for joining us, guys, and have a great day.
1: See you. Bye bye. Thanks for joining.